Bem-vindos ao podcast What Drives You. Aqui exploramos histórias, estratégias e ferramentas das pessoas que têm bem claro o que é que as move. Por isso, se queres ser uma delas, mantenho-te por aí, porque a jornada vai começar. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the What Drives You podcast and today I'm joined by Danny. Miranda. Danny is a podcaster that I deeply admire and I was really grateful for uh, the opportunity of having this conversation with him. He's interviewed some amazing people like Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Kamal Ravikant and David Perel. And throughout our conversation we talked a little bit about his origin story of the podcast as well as some of his own ideas about looking at life and about personal development. We talk about his journey through the challenge 75 hard and a lot of other things. I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation with Danny. I've learned a lot and I hope you guys liked it as well. Before you go, you can follow Danny's social media and podcast on the links in the description as well as our amazing sponsors, Geração S+. The project that is helping young students and young people develop a more healthy lifestyle in order to become more happy and healthy adults. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Danny Miranda. Go. So, yeah, we're live. So, Danny, thank you so much for doing this. Everyone, welcome. We have another episode of the What Drives You podcast. And today I'm here with the one and only Danny Miranda. Danny, thank you so much once again for doing this. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so excited to be here and your energy is absolutely infectious, my man. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited. Nice. Thank you. So I want to start by asking you um, to tell uh, our audience a little story behind that uh, a challenge you did where you texted a guy uh, for with videos doing 100 push-ups every day. Okay. So uh, if the, if that question rings a bell, if that story rings a bell, can you please share with the people what's about what what's that story? Yeah, that's a that's a great story. I haven't thought about that in a while. So. Basically in June or July of last year, I put out on Twitter, Hey, does anyone want to talk on the phone? I had no intentions, just wanted to connect with people, just wanted to learn from people and help with anything I could help with. One of the people who I had a phone call with, he was having um, problems with his girlfriend, I believe, or he was having some issues and, and I was trying to help him um, in any way I could. And at the end of the phone call, he says to me, you know, like how much, how much is this going to cost me? And I said to him, it, it's free, man. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I, I just want to help you in whatever way I can. Um, and he was having trouble with the gym and going to the gym. And so I said to him, Hey man, like, instead of worrying about that, let's just send each other a hundred pushups at the end of each day. And that will help you you build up some confidence so that when you go to the gym, you won't be as nervous. Yeah. So that's I, I, when I heard that story, I was like, this is such, um, it, it was precisely the type of thing that I was expecting for you to do, because since I, I, I follow you, I follow you since, um, October of 2020, uh, listening to all the episodes, I, I heard the first one because of Tej Doza, but then I stick for your positivity and your energy, which is amazing. And, uh, and when I heard that story, I, I thought, well, that's such a Danny Miranda thing, but I have to ask you, so why did you do it though? Why did you just send a tweet asking for people to connect with you on the phone. 
I wanted to, I knew it was a period of time when I felt as if I had a lot to give. I had energy and the tweets that I was writing weren't, they were giving some energy off for sure. When you read a tweet, you get the energy of that tweet, but I felt like I could give more with the audio and actually someone hearing my voice and hearing the pure intentions behind what I'm saying. So yeah, that's why I decided to put myself out there and put that tweet out there. Cause I, I just wanted to help people. And you don't really see that in social media too often. It's like, how can I sell you this? How can I give you that? But like, what about real friendship? What about real connection? And I, I think that social media can be used for that purpose as well. Yeah. And, and you have done a great job doing it. So let's, let's get into the podcast. So um, the first question is uh, for everyone who doesn't know, Danny is the host of the Danny Miranda podcast. And you actually have some, you had some amazing guests. And that's one of the most uh, amazing thing about your show is the, the diversity of the guests. You had Gary Vaynerchuk, David Perel, but also JK Molina and all those different people. So I, I, I need to ask you, how and why did you decide to start the podcast? I decided to start the podcast because of the phone calls. The phone calls were a way for me to connect with people and people always at the end of them said, wow, that was an amazing phone call. I learned so much and I felt like I learned so much. So I was like, man, we should record these. I also started the podcast because three people told me separately that I should start a podcast, three different friends. And that was crazy. And then the third reason I started it was because I was reading so much during quarantine. And I said to myself, man, I would love to talk to some of these authors. And, you know, I've been able to interview them and talk to them. And it's, it's crazy because it, It just goes to show the internet allows you to go from reading to learning from so, so quickly. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that uh, I actually, I, I got so happy uh, for, for you when, when I, because when I listen to your first episode, you talk about love yourself like your life depends on it by Kamal Khan. And I, I never heard about the book. Uh, I, I, I w listened to your episode. I loved it. I bought the book. I've read it. It's an amazing book. And I want to talk about it. But a couple of months later, I see you interviewing Kamal. And I was like, that's so good for him. So I, I need to ask you, how, how did that come true? How did you end up interviewing Kamal Ravikant for your podcast? Yeah, I, Kamal Ravikant was one of those situations where... I was in communication with him because I read the book and reached out to him when I read it. So that's in March of 2020. And as I start the podcast in August and I'm recording my first interviews, I'm, I'm like, man, I would love to have this guy on. So I messaged him in August, but he's like, I'm busy now. I can't do it. I messaged him in September. He's like, I'm busy now. I can't do it. October. And so I just keep going and going and going. And he's saying, you know, refer like, try to come back to me in, in a month or come back to me later. So I would follow up. I probably followed up with him five, six, seven times. And it's just like, he knew my intentions were pure. He knew my story. He knew I wasn't just another podcast. And so because of that, we had a real connection and our podcast turned into a real connection as well. So that was just a case of follow-up and pure intent and just putting myself out there and Just going and going and going. Yeah, so what kept you going? Because most people would end up giving up, right? They, they would like, they would try two, three times, then they would say, oh, this guy probably doesn't want to talk with me, so I'll just give up. Why did you keep going? I kept going because I knew how much his book really impacted me. 
because I knew that I'm in this podcast game for the long term, for the next 10 years, not for the next year, not to just book a big guest and then feel like I won and then never podcast again. I enjoy the art of the conversation. I enjoy talking to new people, learning from new people. That's where my curiosity lies. And so because I'm in it for the long term, it allows me to be fine with a guest saying no, because I know in four years or five years, that guest is going to have a new book coming out and they're going to want to be on the podcast. And that's cool. So that's, uh, that's how I approach it. That's, that's a great thinking. So, um, I, I, I'm curious about one more thing about the guests, which is, um, have you, what do you search in, in, in a guest? Do you, I know that these are people that you want to connect to and talk to, but, uh, is there any particular, um, aspects on, on all those guests that you, that you search for? Yeah. I look for people who are operating with pure intent. I look for people who are feel it feels to me as if they're loving their craft it feels to me like they're they're just enjoying what they're doing i look for people who have real skin in the game in the sense that they've been at it for a a quite some time normally and that if they've been doing it for three four five years then i know that they they have some reputational stake at play so i look for people who are are long-term players and who are going to be um, big or who are going to be still doing what they're doing in 10 years. Yeah. And and that's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah. So uh, you've recorded almost 100 episodes. Actually, you probably recorded more, but you just uh, you sent out uh, almost 100 of them. And I, I, I need to ask you something. Is, is there any common trait you noticed on all those interviews or on most of them? I would say that the common thread is that the people who are successful and by successful, I mean like really enjoy what they're doing, enjoy the process, feel some sense of presence for the quality of their work. The people who are successful tend to think in long-term games and think and tend to be focused on the reps and focus on the process rather than the outcome. That's the the biggest thread, but I mean, it's really I don't, I don't know I don't know man like I I say that but at the same time it's like the the people I have on are just so passionate about what they do yeah. and I think that's a common thread as well. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful answer. So um, one of the things that I really enjoy is your interviewing style because you're so thoughtful about the the, the guests you bring. You 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 do tons and tons of research, and and I'm actually curious about if you feel um, okay in 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 saying this in uh, sharing mm-hmm. this. How do you prepare for an interview? Like, do you have do you have any process about uh, preparing for for a special guest? Uh, any? Guest? Yeah. So. Yeah. So I look at it like I am an FBI agent, right? And I want to find the most, the darkest parts of someone's life or the the places that they've never been asked before. Um, And I I look for things that only I could ask, right? Like the Gary Vaynerchuk example is obvious where I'm he has me and him have a history together and we have a story that in 2000. Yeah. 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 For sure. No, so in 2011, he 
I was tweeting him back and forth and he had a book signing and I wanted him to come, but I couldn't go because it was a school night. And so my, so I, I told him that on Twitter, Hey Gary, my, my mom won't let me go to the book signing. It's not a school night. And he said, let me call your mom. And he, he calls her on the spot, leaves her voicemail. And I end up allowed to go to the book signing. We took a great picture and that was 10 years ago now. And so my first question is asking him about that. But obviously for every guest, I don't have that type of story. Yeah. Um, so I have to search for those stories. And how do you find those stories? Okay. So there's a few different tactics that I use. One is the Twitter search bar and Twitter search tool where I go and sort by tweets from 2016 and before. And so I'm getting someone's thoughts from a long time ago. Another tool that I use is thinking about the person's hometown and searching their name and their hometown because their local newspaper is going to cover them in a way more in-depth way than any other type of normal publication will. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is just like going to the, the six page of Google. Who goes to the six page of Google? But if the guest is big enough, they're going to have something on the six page that 99% of other interviewers and guests have never seen before. Yeah. And then another tool that I like to use is that I haven't actually used, but I want to, is talking to someone close to the person you're interviewing, ask if they should be, if you should ask anything specific that will surprise them. Yeah. So those are some tools. I, I like to just go crazy with it. That's, that's an amazing, that, that's an amazing answer. So, um, uh, because you're you're actually um, you're you're so thoughtful in our, in and you prepare a lot uh, to to these conversations. But one of the things that that you actually wrote in a newsletter a couple of months ago uh, was explaining why people should prepare for conversations with family and friends. Like it, there's no need for interviewing someone. Prepare for the conversation that we're going to have. And and so I would ask you to elaborate a little bit on that. So what are the main advantages that we get by preparing conversations with? people that are close to us. Yeah. So I think that it's so easy to fall into the routine of like, Hey, how are you doing? What's for dinner? What, where's this from? What's, how's the weather doing outside? But the way I think about something is like, are you talking about things that you'll care about a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? And it takes some level of awareness because you know, it's so easy to fall into those patterns. But if you start talking about more meaningful stuff of things that you'll actually care about way further down the line, then you start to get into the meat and soul of who someone is, what someone values, what they care about. And that is such a powerful conversation to have. Yeah. So that's why I prepare for conversations with family yeah. sometimes. That's 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 a great answer because you end up actually connecting a lot more with the people that with the person that you have in front of you, right? So um, in in another episode, um, you you talk about in, in in where you are actually the 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 person being interviewed. You 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 say that you describe yourself as a curious extrovert, so someone who loves learning and all that part, but also loves talking to people. And I actually can relate on that. And, and I would ask you to, um, to tell me a little bit about how, is it natural to you or did you cultivate that? How, how, how did you end up being, having this combination between those two aspects? Yeah, so I think it's somewhat natural. Um, I would say that as a kid, I was more introverted, like in middle school 
And then high school, I was a little more extroverted and then college way more extroverted. I think I've had different periods of my life where I've been more on introverted and some periods of my life where I've been more on extroverted. And so at this current juncture at my life, I've been able to take the best from both. And that is what comes across in the interview. And so the advantage that I have, and you might have is like, if you are so curious and learning and willing to be in books, but also wanting to talk to people, that gives you a level of excitement and knowledge about the person and bring that to the conversation that most other interviews interviewers may not have. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's... So you mentioned your, your, your childhood, childhood. And uh, one of the things that I do is when I have a guest, I actually like to ask him about specific uh, times in their lives. Is that okay for you? Yeah, so absolutely. Can, so uh, I usually ask guests to give me like um, one or three lessons that they've learned in childhood and in high school. And that they, I mean, I, I'm talking about these two moments, but you can actually change them if, if you prefer. But what are some of those lessons that you still carry on with you today? So <laughs> it's a big question. I'm trying to narrow it down to um you you want childhood yeah, yeah. Or? You, you, you can start with childhood and then we we can go to high school because those at least when when i interview guests those are the two moments that more more often come mentioned so they they actually prefer one of those two uh so if you can please would you be so kind to share a lesson from childhood and from high school that yeah was- so from from childhood I would say that I learned the importance of doing the work and the importance of just putting, you know, the, my, my parents were such good parents, man. Like they were such good parents in the sense that they, they cared about me, but they weren't um, overbearing and they let me do my thing and find my passions and my interests. And you know, it, it's, it's like such a blessing and I'm so grateful for it because it, it gives me a way to, to treat my own children in the future as well. So yeah, I just learned how to, how to be a parent from childhood is like, that's what I learned. Um, from, from high school, I would say something that I learned was the importance of online content creation. And what I mean by that is when I was 15 years old, I started a Knicks blog and it was what I really enjoyed doing. I really enjoyed putting out content online, connecting with people and learning from people. And and the Knicks, for those of you who don't know, are are an NBA basketball team. But, you know, I was so interested in writing and following my passion. And that's the only thing I cared about at that time. And so I learned the importance of connecting with people online, making friends online, building uh, a website online. That's what I learned from high school. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And that's something that probably end up helping you a lot now, right? As as we all moved through through the online, being someone who's already present on that field for quite a while, you actually have an advantage. So uh, one of the things that I, and, and I'm going to go all over the place in, in all this interview, but because I've done a a couple of research, not as good as yours, but some research on you. Uh, and and um, and there's so many questions I want to ask, so I want to go all over the place. But one of the 
the things that I really like about you is that you always praise your guests and other people. Even when you're being interviewed, you you actually do that to 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 other humans. So my question is, how did you form that habit of of noticing the good things and praising the people that you're talking to? Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting question. And I'm actually going to pull up um, the four agreements right here. And something that I just read uh, was when you feel good, everything around you is good. When everything around you is great, everything makes you happy. You are loving everything that is around you because you are loving yourself, because you like the way you are, because you are content with you, because you are happy with your life. You are happy with the movie that you are producing, happy with your agreements with life. You are at peace and you are happy. You live in that state of bliss where everything is so wonderful and everything is so beautiful. In that state of bliss, you are making love all the time with everything that you perceive. That is the reason why I connect with people and praise people because I'm content with who I am. There have been periods in my life when I wasn't content with who I am. So I wasn't praising people. I wasn't looking for the good in people. I wasn't seeing the good in people, even though it was there. Yeah. It's because when you're content with you, everything else around you, it's easier to be content with and, and look for the positive in that. So what changed? Uh, what, what allowed you to go from one mental state to another one? Many things, but one of them is that I looked inwards for the first time in my life. I started looking inward and started sitting with myself. What were my insecurities? Who am I? What do I actually value? Who am I as a human being? What is this whole thing? And just sitting with my thoughts for hours and hours at a time. And doing that, you really feel a sense of peace because you realize that a lot of the reasons you acted certain ways were because you were trying to project an image of yourself that you were someone. And when you go inward, you realize all of that and you become aware of that and you become self-aware. And for a lot of my life, I wasn't self-aware because I never looked inward at myself. So what changed, one of the things that changed is that I, I, I started looking at myself and evaluating who I was and what I valued and what I cared about. Yeah. Did, did, did you have a, a specific process doing that? So what are some things, practical things that the people listening can actually do in, to try to go to that uh, place? Yeah. So <clears throat> what I'm talking about is formal sitting down meditation and the way I started with it, and I recommend other people start with it, is to pull out a timer, a kitchen timer from Amazon, or you might have one laying around your house. Like, don't use your phone because that brings up a whole nother can of worms that you can go into and start looking at. But use a kitchen timer, set it for 20 minutes. And if you've never meditated before, as soon as you get out of bed in the morning, put that timer on 20 minutes sit there, think of nothingness or focus on the breath. And when your attention drifts from nothingness or the breath, redirect your attention back to that place and don't beat yourself up. Just try to do it with loving kindness and just acceptance. And so I did this for three months to start, even though I hated doing it. It was so frustrating. I was so in my own head. Obviously I'd never done this before. Um, and I was so wrapped up in the ego of who I was. So but you know, everyone's experience is going to be different. And so I did this three months and 
I started, there were coincidences happening all over the place. There was things that were, my life was getting better. My life was changing. And a lot of it is resultant in from meditation. And so, yeah, that that's the practice, the practical practice that I'm talking about. Yeah. And from the 20 minutes, you can then go to 40 minutes or an hour. And then you go deeper on yourself, find new insights, or at least I have. And that is a super exciting thing and makes me so grateful yeah. that I've been able to do that. Yeah. So um, that's, that's a beautiful answer. Thank you. Uh, one of the things that I, I really like about you is that uh, in, in, in this uh, personal development area, uh, we talk a lot about success, about high performance. But one of the things that I actually always associated with you was joy and love. And I, I would love to, to actually, you, you actually say, and I have this quote around here, uh, that where you say in, in one of your newsletters that love is the single most important trait in the universe. And I, I, I would actually uh, would love for you to develop a little bit of that idea about love and then to tell us um, what does joy mean to you? Because, and I'll, I'll finish it with this, but you, you seem such a, you seem and you are such a joyful person. So go ahead. Yeah, well, love and joy are two of my favorite topics because I think in the West, we have this idea of success of someone who makes a lot of money or is famous or um, has a successful, successful business, right? Like these are our ideas of what success is. Yeah. Um, and I was, I felt prey to that trap for a long time. But the thing is, the happiest people and the most successful people are the ones that are operating with love and joy. And it's, it's really interesting because it's like my barometer for looking at someone's advice is like, are they really happy with their life? Like, for example, Robin Williams is the famous example because you, he has everything you could ever want and he commits suicide. But are you taking, if you were to take advice from Robin Williams, you're taking advice from someone who is broken inside and doesn't feel whole. So that's what you have to ask yourself is like, are you taking advice from someone who doesn't feel whole inside themselves and people who operate with love and joy and want to bring others up and trying to have elevate them. Like those people are the happiest. Those people are the ones that I want to be learning from. And so I guess I have been learning from them. And, and that's why you see a happy and joyful and person who wants to love others, you know? So that's, that's such a beautiful answer. So, um, I, I would actually like to go a little bit deeper on this topic of love and bring back the, the book that we actually talked uh, uh, not well ago about the, um, the, the love yourself like your life depends on it. And there was there were actually a, a couple of specific practices that uh, Kamal suggests in the book and uh, you actually started to practice them, uh, I, I, I suppose. So I would ask you to please share with the audience what are those and what were the effects that they had on you? Yeah. So it's actually a book that I need to reread, you know, one of those books that like you need to reread every year because it just is that powerful. But the practice, the couple of practices that I did from the book were one repeating to myself, I love myself over and over and over again before I went to sleep, when I was just around the house, when I was just doing things and finding that groove of like making that your 
go-to place mentally. And if it sounds stupid to anyone listening, it's like, then that's a sign that you might need to lean into it. Yeah. Because, yeah. So another one of the practices from the book is to look at yourself, set a timer for five minutes straight and repeat, I love myself, looking at yourself in the eye, in the mirror. Absurd, right? But like it is so amazing and so powerful because you feel different if you let it, you know? So not just that, but also like feeling the love for yourself. Like when I get out of the shower, I try to imagine myself walking down a, a road and myself hugging myself, like looking at me, hugging me. And that is just a way to fill me with love and energy and joy. Um, but those are some of the practices from the book. And it's, uh, it was powerful. It was really powerful because my self-talk, my self-belief, my image of myself and my natural go-to place was would I do this if I really and truly love myself? So that that's just a, an incredibly powerful way to operate in the yeah. world. That that was personally that was actually the the uh, I, I I did both practices as well. But that question, uh, if I if I truly and deeply love myself, would I would I do this? That question was uh, to me. Um, life-changing because it actually it, it confronts you it confronts you with what you're about to do and suddenly your decisions are way uh, more thoughtful about yourself and about your your own person that that, that, that was really um that was something that actually moved me a lot so you mentioned this idea that uh you 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 see yourself coming in and and hug yourself those kind of mind movies, I'm curious, do you use them a lot in your day-to-day? -day? And if so, is there any scenario that you like to visualize or, or, or to play in your own head? Yeah, one of them that I really like to play in my head is me saying hello, beautiful people to a stadium of 20,000 at Madison Square Garden. I think that is one of the most powerful movies that I have going over and over and over again in my head. And yeah, it's just, it's just how I, it, it just, the thought of it brings me joy. So, you know, whatever I, I implore people to find those things for them that just bring them joy. And if they just thought about it, would just light them up and make them feel good and energize them because it really could take just one of those to completely shift your state. Yeah, if, if, and if it's not uh, too personal, can I ask you why Madison Square and why those people? Yeah, so Madison Square Garden is the place that I went to as a kid when I was going to Knicks games, when I would go to concerts, and it was just the the place. It, it's almost like home in that sense. So it's just a a powerful way for me to actualize a vision of having the energy that I feel when I release a podcast yeah. put into a single room and it's the biggest room I can think of. So yeah. that's, that's, that's why. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. So, um, I, I, I have another uh, question that I would like to ask you. And, and, and that is one of the things that you have is you, you are, uh, a, a really positive person. So you you bring positivity into everything you you do. Uh, I mean, you were, for instance, a small story. I, I I've been wanting to have you for for a long time, and as I was telling you, and um, 
And so you put out this tweet uh, saying, uh, use this tweet to connect with someone you, you'd li like to talk, to interview, and I send it to you. And, and I was actually pretty nervous. I still am. I'm, I'm really nervous interviewing you. Uh, and and in, when I sent that tweet, you were so um, positive in your answer. You, you were so thoughtful and kind. And you say, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's. So, and you say, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but you say that positive is practical. And I really like this idea. So can I ask you to elaborate a little bit on that? So why do you think that positivity is practical? I think it's practical because you have only one choice in any, any given situation. If something's bad, right? Like you have a really bad situation. What's going to get you out of that situation? Well, you could either choose to say like, oh, I'm screwed forever. Or you could say, you know what? I'm going to look for the best in this situation. I'm going to try to envision myself getting out of this situation. And so that's why positivity is practical because it makes you feel good, energizes your state. And even when something bad goes on, you can then propel yourself up to have that energy to, to fight it or to, to move with that situation. So that's why I think it's so practical. Yeah. When was the last time that had that that happened to you? Like you you boost yourself with your own positivity while facing a challenge? Yeah. So I was just on a run, and I it was painful, man. I haven't gone running in. This was my second run in in a couple of weeks, and in my second run in the last two days, and I haven't run for a few weeks before that. And so I was on like my second mile and it was painful, man. But I was just like, what am I going to do? Like there's, I can either feel bad for myself that I'm in this pain right now, yeah. or I could just keep going and keep running. Yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's a micro thing and, and retraining your mind in the micro with that run is like living for those moments of when it hurts and making that something you're proud of because that's what you're most proud of it when you go to sleep is like i did that run i overcame that difficulty and if i could do that what else can i do yeah so what's a uh, uh, follow-up question what's what's the the one the one challenge that you overcame that you're really proud about yourself of by of doing it yeah so 75 hard was probably the biggest one for me because it was the first time I proved to myself that I actually could do what I said I would do. A, a lot of times in my life before doing this challenge, I would always take the easy route. I'd always try to make it as easy as possible. I would just go and, and not follow through with my word and just say like, oh, I'm going to do this and then not end up doing it. With 75 hard, it was a huge difference because I actually followed through and I actually did it. And I was so proud of myself for completing it. Can you please explain to the people that don't know what 75 hard is, what it is? Yeah. So it's a 75 day program where you do five things every single day for 75 days straight. And if you mess up any one of these, you have to go back to day zero. The first is you have to do two workouts and one of them has to be outside 45 minutes a piece. The second is you have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction or self-help book. The third is you have to follow a diet of some sort. Um, the fourth is taking a progress picture of yourself. And the fifth is drinking a gallon of water. 
So that's a little bit of the challenge. And it sounds easy enough for some people. It sounds difficult, but it's like doing it for 75 days is a grind. And there are moments when you're like, I don't want to do this, but being able to discard that initial reaction and then actually do it proves to yourself that you give yourself way more excuses in life than you realize you did. At least it did for me. And so that's, that's a little bit about the challenge. Yeah, the, can you besides the one that you 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 shared, what are what are what were other lessons you've learned uh, about yourself while doing while completing actually this this challenge? I learned so many lessons, but one of them that sticks out is the power of doing difficult things, and who you think of yourself as today might be different if you did something difficult tomorrow. And then the next day you'd say, wow, like I actually can do that. Another thing is the power of accountability and the power of just realizing that if someone else is doing something too, that you respect, you're going to be more likely to actually complete it. And I undervalued this tremendously. And what happened was at the beginning of the challenge, I was accountable to my friend Tej, but by the end of the challenge, I was actually accountable to myself. I didn't want to let myself down. So that's like using the power of someone else to transform yourself. And yeah, that was huge. When, when did that switch happen uh, in in the challenge? That's a great question. I don't know exactly when it happened, but I'm going to guess somewhere around day 30 or day 40, you know, somewhere around the middle um, before the halfway part. um, And just the, like when I knew I could get in the groove of doing it, um, I was like, wow, like I'm actually doing this. Like it's actually working. Like I'm actually going. So yeah, I would say somewhere around the halfway part, maybe a little bit before. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So uh, I have just uh, a couple more questions. Uh, I don't want to, to I want to be respectful of our time. Uh, and, and so the, the first one is you, you actually, once again, in your newsletter, uh, you, you, you Talk about this um, three month three month model, uh, and you. I was actually searching. Oh, I, I, I'm going to quote. So I have this sneaking suspicion that the person you're presenting to the world is really just the character you've been working on for the past three months. So I would love to hear hear your thoughts on this. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So the three month rule is so important to me because it's like I realized in June of this year that I've been working for March, April, and May. And I was feeling great about the world in June, but I was so upset in February. So I said to myself, what is going on here? And the reason why that was, it appeared to me at least is because I've been, was doing the things that were in line with the highest version of myself for March, April, and May. And so in June, I was feeling great. And so it let me know that, man, like you're always three months away. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're just um, like you, you do everything you're supposed to do for 10, 10 years, then in 10 years and three months, you're going to be sitting there. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're going to be sitting there like, man, I don't feel good. The reason why you don't feel good is because you weren't working towards that person. And I think a month is too um, short. I think two months is getting to that point. I think three months is really when all the habits that you've been working towards in the past three months really stick. So what are are some of the things that you've been working on on the past three months? Yeah. So talking to people, 
reading books like the four agreements, um, working out running, um, which I'm just starting. That's my next three months away, but working out and, um, just trying to meditate and really get in touch with myself and go deeper on myself is the one that I've really been focused on for, for the past three months. And it's, it's incredible because it, it gives me a sense of peace and calmness inside that, um, just makes me feel good and, and hopefully give some good energy to others as well. Yeah, definitely. So uh, a couple of, of, of final questions then. So the, the first one is you, you mentioned that um, one of your favorite questions to ask is if you die tomorrow, what are the three lessons, truths that you would like to share with the world? So I, I'm going to just ask you this. What are yeah. those? So I would have to say the three lessons would be the same ones I said in 2019, which I wrote on my wall, which one is discipline equals freedom. Um, I think that's so important because if you want to be free in any sense, you need to follow discipline, which sounds contradictory to people, but um, it is the truth of it. You need to be disciplined to get that freedom. The, the second is show more love. You know, it's something that I said to myself when I was not showing any love at all and wasn't feeling at one with people. And, and but I wanted to um, because I, I recognized there was something powerful in showing love to others. And then the third is dream bigger, man. I mean, there's so much out there. There's so much for the taking for people. And if we could just wrap our heads around the ability to go bigger, or at least personally, that's what I would want for myself. And anyone who's interested is like, dream bigger, like go, go the distance. Think about the scale of the internet. Like it's unfathomable. So that's why I'm trying to sell out Madison Square Garden. It's, be, it's why I want the, the craziest things to happen is because I'm dreaming big. And if it doesn't happen, then I'll, I'll land at the moon and I'll, the stars will be there, but I'll land on the moon. So yeah, man, that's, that's the three lessons that I would, I would give to people if I pass tomorrow. That's, that's such an amazing question. So Danny, uh, last two questions. The first one is in your podcast and in, in actually in everything you, you do and say, you talk a lot about your higher version. And I want to ask you what's, Danny Miranda's higher version. My higher version is someone who is at peace with today, but doesn't stop him from striving for something greater tomorrow. Um, and I think when you are content with what is, which I am, and also striving for an even better tomorrow, I think that's the sweet spot of life. And that's my highest version. Uh, that's that's a beautiful answer so danny thank you so much uh before i ask you the last question um if people want to connect with you know more about you what's the best place to do it it would be at hey danny miranda on twitter or you could send me an email if you made it this far in the podcast danny at danny miranda.com i'd love to hear from you or, or learn 
from anyone who got anything from this podcast. Yeah, well, we're going to link those in the description as well as, of course, the link to your podcast. And I really recommend that people go and listen to it. So, Danny, once again, thank you so much. And the last question is is the question I do to every guest, uh, and it gives the name of the podcast, and that is, what drives you? What drives me is curiosity. Curiosity for interviewing guests and learning from people. Curiosity for how far I can take this ship. Curiosity for the information and the secrets of the universe. I'm just a curious kid just trying to figure out the best way to tackle this crazy thing called life. And I do it on my podcast one day at a time. But this conversation has definitely fed that curiosity thank you man amazing danny thank you so much for doing this to everyone who's watching the episode please go follow danny and go listen to his podcast it's really amazing and i really recommend it and if you can please uh, leave a, a rating at your favorite podcast platform for our podcast and of course for danny's podcast as well and we'll see you in the next episode thank you danny <laughs>